Hi, I'm Dr. Sylvia Ma, and I am the managing partner of Stella Impact Capital and the founder of Stella, which is a uh, constellation of support for entrepreneurs and investors. And Femtech means to me hope. Hope in founders making sure that we're having great innovations in the femtech space and femtech becoming and growing as a market. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and before we start today's episode, I want to tell you about an upcoming campaign that I need your help with. Stack the Deck for Femtech is an opportunity to get exposure for your startup. Whether you're fundraising, looking for customers, or ready for media exposure, Femtech Focus is dedicated to getting your women's health company in front of the right people. Starting this week, you're going to start to see a survey link in our newsletter, virtual community, and social media accounts with questions about your business, like where you're headquartered, who's the main contact person, what was your latest valuation, and much more. Takes about 10 minutes to complete. We're looking for minimally 350 femtech companies, ranging from initial corporate incorporation to initial public offering, to fill out this questionnaire. If you work at or founded a femtech company, please have yourself or someone in leadership fill it out by the end of September. This is for your benefit. Help me help you. Let's stack the deck for femtech. Hey, Sylvia, welcome to the show. Hi, Brittany. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to have you. I love working with you. I love hearing from you. Um, feel like we don't talk enough one-on-one, so I'm really excited to have this time, but I also feel like I know you really well. You feel that way? <laughs> I know. I feel that way too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, there's actually people who reach out and they're like, I feel like we're friends, but I actually just listened to your podcast. You don't know who I am. And I'm like, oh, we are friends. So hello, friends, yes. everyone listening. Um, <laughs> Sylvia, we love to kick off our episodes learning more about our guests and not just necessarily that your involvement in femtech, which we'll get to, but a little bit more about you and your personal background. Where are you from? You know, uh, what did you study? What did you do before becoming an angel investor? Yeah, thanks for asking me that. Um, and um, I am actually originally from Caracas, Venezuela. So I am a Latina, desde lo lague. Um, but I am, oh. and I immigrated here uh, for college um, and I went to Pepperdine University. But I was an international student, loved in the international crowd at my university and went back home all the time. So um, really, you know, home is, is Venezuela. And I don't go back home anymore because my father passed away. My mom's now here in the United States, but still. That's the background that I have. Um, And um, I'm a recovering scientist. So I have my PhD in biochemistry, molecular biology, and I actually studied sea urchin fertilization proteins. So we're talking about femtech and like sex in general. I studied um, uh, sea urchin, uh, how they broadcast spawn in the open ocean and how do they find each other, the sperm and egg. 
done. Right. So uh, that's how I got my PhD. And then from there went into teaching engineering. So it was a work life integration moment of my life when I had a special needs child who was two years old, spent four days in children's and I couldn't actually leave San Diego. I couldn't do that like trajectory that you wanted to do as a postdoc and then like Mm -hmm. a professor and then, you know, going up that, that career channel. But there was an opportunity for me to be a program director of a program called Teams and Engineering Service. So that's like that service learn service learning about social innovation. We did like pitch competitions. We did like projects. We did all these things and then transitioned more into commercialization of university discoveries in the engineering school. Mm-hmm. So kind of that went into a little bit more of that, you know, the, the innovation space. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then as a scientist, I'm like, I need to learn business. I mean, I'm doing it. I'm doing this like commercialization and, and innovation and putting things to market. Market, but I don't really know it. And as a woman, you know, we always are like, we need education. We need to sit down and learn. Oh, yeah. So I went to get my MBA um, and um, it was my mother who paid for my MBA. Women support women, even your mothers, your aunties, your friends like you. Um, we mm-hmm. support each other. So she goes, go get your MBA. Um, and um, during that time, my father passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was either going to go back and, you know, do his business in Venezuela, become more like a biotech leader or really own that startup space. And I saw that women were not getting the funding and I just got access to capital. I was going to work until the day I die, right? Because I'm a pretty hard worker, um, <laughs> but I can actually use his 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 inheritance for um, investing in women-led businesses. So that's kind of how I started. Wow. What a story. I love, love, love having people on the show that I think I know a little bit about. And then they come on and I'm like, what? Your story is even cooler. Cause I, you know, I know you have a PhD of see it right on your LinkedIn and stuff, but sea urchin fertilization, like what? Like, yes, yes, yeah. you know, um, I did yes. not know you were an immigrant from Venezuela. Like a lot of it also kind of makes sense, right? Like we are these persevering women who have come from unexpected backgrounds, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, saw something in ourselves and in the world and just pursued it regardless of whatever anyone thought we should do. Right. We just did it what mm-hmm. our way. So I yeah. love it. That is incredible. When did you yeah. first learn about femtech or women's health? Um, well, um, it was actually one of the first, my first investment is, was in femtech. So it was one of those things that, that I'm now 130 companies later, right? So still doing it. Right. But that first one was, um, about, you know, I knew about engineering and I was doing all these things and innovation's awesome and like impact. And then I'm like, wow, I have this capital. What do I do? Oh my gosh. And then I got a scare of cervical cancer, right? I, you know, the typical pap smear that you have, and you're just like, oh my God, I have three children. Right. I have three children. My youngest one was at that time was like four years old. I was like, what is going on? And then I had to go in, do surgery. And like, it was not fun. And I literally went in. I don't know if anybody had this experience. You go in and you're like, oh, it's going to be easy. Nobody has to take me home. I can drive myself home. And you're like, what? Like, you never prepped me. I'm like, this is wrong. This is wrong. I shouldn't have gone through that. I should have had multiple like support system. And I'm like, this has to be better. And I needed to have an earlier stage, like review of like, like all of a sudden from one of the nests, I have this. And it was just like, so it was, it was very raw for me. And I was like, okay, this, it just, what just happened? And then I got a call from a mentor that I was working with. He says, 
you need to look at this company. I'm like, what company? Right. So um, it was um, an, um, a company in the um, human papillomavirus, right? HPV space. And I just like figured out I have HPV. Like, what the heck? What's going yeah. on? I have to like immunize my daughter, like at when she's like five years, like all this stuff. And then it was like this, this innovation and this company that's going to solve this for women and be able to track it earlier, to be able to have a different diagnosis or a diagnostic, sorry, diagnostic, to be able to have a different diagnosis Mm -hmm. um, for HPV and really learn about it really, really early so that you don't have to have surgery. You don't have to have this. And I'm like, what? This is amazing. (laughs) I've just gone through it. There's an industry that's ripe for innovation. And there's a company right in front of me that I can really like put some money into and I have money. I just got it. Let's do this. Right. So it was, it was just like, and, and the thing is that the founder um, was actually a gentleman, which was outside of my investment thesis, but let me talk to you about that. (laughs) Basically I told him I, he, he's already um, had his own like exit of another company. He was doing this. He was like basically a professor at the university. I said, but I really want you to think very carefully of your first hire, your CEO has to be a woman. Mm-hmm. has to be a woman. And he wanted me to be an investor in his company because I was a woman. And I had told him like the story that we just went through. And he says, I need you to be an investor. So he had the thing of like, I want a woman investor in here because it is a woman issue. Mm-hmm. And I will promise you, I will get a woman CEO. And lo and behold, he did. And her whole um in leadership team is all women, mm-hmm. right? So that's the impact, right? That- yeah that I saw right off the bat, my first investment. And I was going crazy on like, am I really going to make this investment? And you know who helped me is another female um, investor that I just went through her course, 37 Angels, Angela Lee. And I'm like, Angela, should I invest in this? It's Femtech. I totally get it. I totally get the science. I just went through this. I'm in tears. And she's like, just do it. Just do it. Like, this is what it is. So that's my introduction with Femtech. How long ago was that? That um, is uh, 12 years ago. 12 years ago. So before the word femtech was even a word, because <laughs> that wasn't exactly. coined till 2016. So that is yeah. incredible. You are a true like OG investor in femtech. OG, OG. yes. <laughs> um, so you've made over 130 investments. How many or what percentage would you say is in women's health? About like 25%, I would say, because wow. I'm industry incredible. agnostic, right? Yeah. yeah, industry agnostic. So I really look at all industries. And of course, I also do um, um, men of color, people of color, all industries, um, easy tech, hard tech, um, um, deep tech and femtech, right? So um, that is part of my um, piece. And I think that's really important as women investors to say, we really understand this. We understand the technology, we understand the space, we understand the industry. And we've probably had an auntie, mommy, sister, friend who has been affected by this. We truly understand the like, the epic impact that these types of issues are having with women. So that's, that's really where kind of the rubber hits the road. So having invested in Femtech for so many years now, what kind of changes have you seen over time in terms of like maybe the types of deals you saw before to the types of deals you see now, maybe leadership, was there more male investors? Now there are more female investors kind of tell me about some of the changes you've seen. I see a couple of different changes. One off the bat is, of course, our favorite is um, Hera Biotech right now um, with Summer. Um, and she's 
just an amazing founder who understands her innovation. She understands her investor relations, but she wants female investors, mm-hmm. period, yeah. right? She wants, that's her, one of her goals. Of course, probably a founder is not like, I can't, I can't have all of them. Well, you can mm-hmm. first and foremost, but <laughs> you'll have to say no. Right. Yeah. And do you want to say no? That's a whole other, that's a whole yeah. other podcast. Let's get on another, yeah. another episode here. But um, with that, I, I see that that's what I'm seeing now is that femtech founders are like, I really want a certain percentage. It depends on where they are, right? It might be 80% of my investor cap table has to be a woman. That was something that we did not have the, um, the, I guess, privilege 12 years ago to say as a founder, I'm only going to pick female investors. And female investors in the angel round were about 7% when I started, 7%. So for a founder to say, I have a femtech company and just even like socializing femtech in general, having the innovation that like actually will go after a market that people thought that was like little itty bitty. And we know now is like huge, Giant. right? Um, you were going after a ton of different like biases and a, and a lot of like socialization, as I said, education around the femtech space. Now it's like, it's known. So these founders are saying, no, I'm going to make an impact. I want this. And I think that that's what's going to really catalyze this next generation of, um, of, of innovations of founders of investors that are investing in each other, growing an ecosystem of femtech innovation, right? Um, That's what I see as, as that transition is that we needed these because we didn't, again, like we didn't have the privilege. I don't know if that's the right word privilege, but I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so we, um, that's, that's the main difference that I saw. And then the other thing is like, just, you were asking about products, right? Mm -hmm. So at first it was, um, one of our first women's venture summits, we had, um, Jesse Draper and the, the founder who did the first basically new breast pump on the market. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So Jesse Draper as an investor says, I'm going to invest in this woman. I'm going to invest in this in this market because I know that it's ripe for innovation. There was hasn't been any innovation in the last like 50 years on breast pumps. Yeah. And no man wants to talk about breast milk in their board meetings. Mm-hmm. So that was like, like the discussion back then. And it was just like, what is that incremental change in the product to be able to be more woman focused, more woman um, likable, more um, um woman invest invented and now it's like what is that new wave of okay now that we've kind of gone past that mm-hmm. now it's like okay how do we really up level these products so that more women have access it's a yes. different kind of yes. conversation yeah. than just changing status quo yeah. now it's like access is about bigger it's about volume it's about how do we really leverage um more like deeper innovations. So I'll I'll stop there. (laughs) I love that. You know, when I give my femtech landscape talk, I usually show a graph of like, what are the different femtech verticals being worked on? And I always say like, and here's the quote unquote saturated ones. And it's, you know, maternal health, fertility, uh, menstruation, and um, maternal health. And I say saturated because it's saturated for affluent white women. It's not saturated for the rural woman. It's not saturated for the black woman. It's not saturated for the Medicaid woman. Right. And so, yeah, I definitely see that too, where it's like, oh my God, we finally are talking about vaginas. Thank God. But now we have to be like, 
vaginas of different types of women because we started with women are little men and we figured out, oh wait, they're not little men. They need their own things. But now we're even seeing like women, a woman is not the same as another woman. Like we need brands to pick from just because there's one product on the market. We deserve 10 to pick from. And I see that as like our new wave right now. Um, Really interesting, interesting stuff. So much to like dive into and talk about, but Um, you know, what makes you nervous about investing in femtech? We have barriers, right? We have a lack of billing codes. We have funding issues. We have majority female founders. So they're, they're struggling to get funding. And, um, you know, we're talking about taboo topics. So, uh, do you ever get nervous about your investments in femtech? Well, first and foremost, I don't get nervous about my investments in female founders, mm. period right? That's one hurdle for a lot of people. Yeah. And I don't believe in that, right? I think in the femtech space is any risk in any market, right? Is, you know, how big is it? Um, how, like you said, how saturated is it? And as an investor, especially early stage investor like myself, I don't have, let's say a VC fund that has like 20 analysts and like, you know, pitch book data sets and all that to be able to really understand truly what are the micro, like micro changes in the market or where I can actually double tap into to say this is the market or this is the customer base that I have to go into. I don't have that. So I rely um, um, heavily on, um, on just my own, you know, data set, my own industry, my own yeah. market, the founder's research, right? So I think that if you're asking me like, what keeps me up and I was risky, yeah. it's that, right? Not having enough data. And then uh-huh. I'm a data girl. I'm a data scientist. I love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's also like even just the research that's out there that informs the decisions that we have as investors and founders, right? In this kind of data set of femtech, it's really predominantly male, right? That, you know, there's a whole book on data, right? Of, of the invisible woman yeah. in data. And that theme, like, uh, gives me goosebumps because I love it, but also it kind of gives me a little bit of like, well, we're relying on data that's predominantly women not there um, and um, transparent. But I think what I, what, I, what I mix that in is with hope is that we do have data sets out there that we're trying so hard to get the woman be seen, Mm -hmm. um, to be part of clinical trials. So I'm hopeful that whenever like we do have those things, those are going to become part of our research, our due diligence. It's just not necessarily there quite yet. But when I do feel a little bit risk averse, I'm like, okay, I double tap on um, the founder saying, hey, founder, let's go a little bit more in detail. Not that I want to be ornery or anything like that. It's more of like, let's learn together. Let's yeah. see how this is. Because again, I'm not the VC that has like all this other thing. Yes, we are. I am a VC, um, sell an impact capital, but we're a seed stage um, fund, right? It's not something that we're further along that has a huge um, data set or huge um, assets that we can lean on. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like you're setting me up to pay. <laughs> what we have at Fentech Focus, which is our data. I know. And, 
to be <laughs> to be announced soon, y'all. Listen in, you know, more more will be revealed on our data and what we're doing with it. But uh, we see that as one of the most pivotal parts of advancing femtech because when I first started in femtech, in, my interest was peaked in 2019, and I could not, for the life of me, find a list of companies working in women's health. I found a bunch of graphics with like some logos on it for like fertility apps, and I was like, that's not helpful. I want to sort. I want to categorize. I want to quantify, I want to average, right? Like, and I started a list, a Google sheet, you know, and I can remember again, 2019 people of, you know, great knowledge saying, well, once Femtech has an exit, that's when it'll be recognized. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's been a few, hasn't there? And I like questioned myself until I have like, until I had like a list of 50. And then I was able to respond to these people with like, uh, actually that's not the case. There's a lot of exits that have happened. And so anyways, yes, more will be revealed there, but if we don't measure it, we can't improve it uh, is how I yeah. feel. So absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, and I, I love that you bring up, you know, that kind of data, cause that informs impact that informs progress that informs so many things that us as women, we're like, and like we're, we, we are worth being, you know, fought for or burn your bras. Right. But yeah. when, um, when you know of uh, the data behind it, that is power. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is power. And on exits, like we even had an exit, you know, Eucora is one of our exits from, from Ad Astra and my, my own portfolio. And it's just great to see like how amazing she is. And as a leader, she's different, right? That is uh, Jenna Ryan is different than all the other leaders that are out there in different kinds of, of, of uh, verticals and different kinds of in, in industries because she's a femme tech leader. Yes. who exited. Right. Yeah. And she has different views. Right. Um, so anyways, it's, it's great to be able to, to, um, share in that. I love that we're changing the demographic of investors mm-hmm. and founders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure we have hundreds, if not thousands of founders listening to this episode, salivating at the idea that you are such an active femtech angel investor, right? Where they're like, Oh, where are they? Where are they? What is some advice you have for them? And I'd love it if you kind of, because I know you give a lot of talks on like pitching and fundraising, you giving back all the time, but kind of more of a specific femtech angle. What's some advice you have for founders? Like what's something that you see a lot of femtech founders doing that you hate, you know, and what are some things that you really love that you're like, do more of that, you know? So what should they know? Well, first and foremost, I'm like a glass half full kind of investor. So I I don't know if I don't like, like anything people do. Um, but what I do not like is when somebody comes to me and says, Oh, you, some of your portfolio is, is femtech. I heard you on something and can I get a a, a call or a a meeting and, um, right now? And can I get investment right now? Mike, um, do you know there's an awareness of that it's a marathon, not a sprint? Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you look at my portfolio? See if you actually align with my portfolio. It might not be in alignment and that's okay. I would much rather have somebody come to me and say, Hey, I've researched you and not just me. Any investor loves it, right? When they, when an entrepreneur comes and says, you know what? I'm a femtech entrepreneur. I see that a part of your portfolio is in the femtech space. Would love to know more about your portfolio. How do you interact with them? How do you advise them? Um, and what I also saw investor person, you, um, is that you really care about the founder, your founder first. Can we talk a little bit about that instead of coming in first? Saying, I need a million dollars within the next two weeks. Then are you going to invest in me? 
Yeah. Just because my thesis is semi-aligned to quote, sort of what you're doing, but maybe not really. And I haven't done my research, That's right? It. So data, data sells, right? And data um, uh, is, is queen. Uh, so um, that and relationships matter. So it's more of saying, okay, I know the data. Um, I'm a queen of data. I understand that this and this and this and this investor does this and this and this. Then I come into the, 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 the conversation open and coachable and saying, Hey, let's have a great conversation. Oh, and by the way, can we actually share my pitch deck? And maybe not. Maybe it's a second meeting. Mm-hmm. It's a marathon and not a sprint. And lastly, it's about saying, Hi. What is your portfolio? And they can talk about it. And they're going to ask you as a, as a founder. It's not just one way. It's both ways. It's a two-way street. Um, remember that. Um, and, and say, and they're like, well, what, what makes you excited? And maybe it is like, my gosh, I'm, I am this, this company is everything that I own, everything that I do, everything that, great. Then talk about that. Or you say, Hey, you know what? My passion is my kids. Right. And I want to be that mom that's always there for them. But I have this startup that I love too. And, you know, that's my passion is to be able to be this founder that leads an organization that's super um, awesome in this market that I love. But I also have this challenge with being a mom and being the best mom that I can. That's an entryway too. So it's, it's kind of like making sure that that investor knows why you're passionate about something. You've done your research. You, you create this wonderful relationship. And especially in the femtech space that typically an investor in the femtech space is very passionate about something. Ask them where their origin story. We just kind of started this whole podcast of my origin story. I typically do not talk ever about, let's say, my HPV journey, right? And like what happened and I had to have surgery. I usually do not because people are like, oh, it's all right? But I know that you are okay with talking about that and your listeners are okay with listening to that. But get to know that investor. Maybe they have an amazing story in that femtech space that you're like, yes, that's why they're investing. So that you can tailor your pitch to not just like market and and then this and financials and we have a hockey stick and this is our team. You're like, and the story is, and our agenda's story is this. And you offer that as they offer their story. Mm -hmm. So that's a way to really connect in this femtech space. That's still kind of nascent. We, you're going to do amazing things as you already have and continue to do, because we're going (laughs) to, we can't wait to hear about the next, next gen of Brittany. Um, And so um, those are the kinds of things that it's like, okay, it's, it's nascent. It's still kind of growing, like create those, those great connection points. Oh my gosh. I honestly couldn't have said it better myself. Um, yes, I, I coach founders literally day in and day out about how they're not ready for that person's money, but feel free to message them and say, Hey, I know I'm really early stage for you, but I'd love to just kind of keep, put you on my quarterly newsletter. I love what you do. I saw you speak. My favorite part Mm -hmm. is when you said this, Oh my God. When someone sends me a message and says, Oh, I watched this video on YouTube of you talking about fundraising. And you said this, can you, can I ask you some questions about it? I'm like, I much rather respond to that person than, Hey, can I pick your brain? It says investor in your tagline. It's like, Oh, yeah. who yeah. are you? What or is here's this? my pitch deck or here's yeah. my pitch deck. Can you invest in me? I'm like, I, I won't. Uh, it takes me seven <laughs> times to invest in, in somebody. If I need to meet with them, I need to yep. see how they're doing pitch, look at them, pitch, um, see them pitch at a pitch competition, wow. seven touches, right. Until I actually want to even wire 
money. I have to do a due diligence process that usually takes one to three months, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like that I need to de-risk my investment, right? Yeah. Into a company that is very early, like own that process and know that that's part of it. It's like, even the founder, it's like being the investor's shoes. Don't you love it as a founder? When somebody says, I heard you on this podcast, it's a femtech podcast and you're a femtech founder. Man, I love what you said. Don't you love that? Do that reciprocal piece to this investor that you think is like high and mighty and all that. They're a person, right? And they love to know that you just want to have a relationship. You want to have a conversation. That's that entryway. Uh, something I always say is investors never have to be reminded that they have money. Like they know, like, and they know yeah, that they are an yeah. investor. So you never yeah. actually have to say like, um, will you invest in this? Like sometimes you have to get down to it and just like ask, right. So you can move on in your fundraise. But like, um, for the most part, you don't have to ask if they love what you're doing, they'll bring it up. So I'm mm-hmm. always like, you never have to remind an investor. They have money. <laughs> they know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this this has been so interesting. What do you think the future of femtech kind of looks like? Like, are you starting to see some new types of um, products, new types of ideas, business models? Like, what what are you seeing as new, and what do you think is going to come in the next wave? Um, I think that you know, really understanding um, what I'm seeing in, in not just in the femtech space, but other spaces. But I think that femtech is in the right ripe stage to do this is really innovating in in that business model, right? Mm -hmm. So like, yes, you can have a new innovation that we've seen like 10 years ago, the new breast pump done, right? Then you see about 10 new breast pumps, right? Then it's like, okay, the massage breast pump, right? Um, And that's one of my portfolio companies, Lilu, um, and it's it's a massage breast pump. Then it's like, well, how is the business model for me to actually enter the market in a way that actually makes the best impact for my customers, how does that work? And it's not going to be so linear as it was before. It's not just B2C, one channel. Nobody does one channel, peoples, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's multiple channels, but what is the right channel for you to do that That first you know, beachhead market, going out there, trying to figure out that out? And how is that going to grow? That's where I feel like Femtech is right there at that point because you have to be more innovative in how you're going to reach that customer or... Also, what's, what is that customer that's really going to, to, to take that impact and like turn it up, up in volume, right? Because you can sell to anybody, right? Anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Who is your target customer, right? And I was just doing air, air, air um, Yeah, for those air listening. Quotes. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's anybody. Like that, that's <laughs> audio, air quotes of like your, your ideal customer in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you reach them more effectively, so that you can have a larger ROI return on investment, a larger ROI and return on impact, right? How does that really play in this femtech space? Because nobody has kind of, not nobody, but people are are figuring it out, but we're very early stage in figuring this out. And going back to your comment of how do you figure out for um, BIPOC um, women? Um, how do you figure it out to LATAM women? How do you figure it out with this niche market or rurality scores and stuff like that? How, or, or global, how, how does that, and different cultures? Mm-hmm. Those are the kinds of things that are the innovation on top of the innovation of femtech, right? Because nobody's figured that out in this right. market. That's right. Not nobody. I'm 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 overgeneralizing it. It's just it's it's early. I absolutely see the go-to-market strategy for femtech definitely in its nascent stages because of one the media censorship that we have to freaking figure out that everyone's accounts are being 
you know, deleted or deactivated because they're trying to help you with, you know, at home insemination and Facebook says like, Oh, you're promoting porn. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, what are we talking? What are we talking? So we have a media censorship thing. We need to crack that code on, but also women have been so underserved that they often don't know that they deserve a solution to what they're experiencing. Cause what their experience is, is what women just experience. And so an example of that is uh, women on average experience perimenopausal symptoms for three years before she realizes it's perimenopause. And so if your brand is menopause, 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 you're missing three years worth of a customer because she doesn't, she doesn't identify. But if you say Mm -hmm. 50 plus hormone health, she's like, I'm 52. Like, and yeah, I think I'm maybe hormones, maybe that's what this is. And then now you got her right. And you're helping educate her. Do you, do you see those are the kinds of components that you're seeing? Like, how do we innovate on this? Like the actual go-to-market strategy? Yeah. Yeah. And how, and what are the, the, the channels you were just, you were talking about like B2C, how do I, how do I get to that customer? How to ads, um, uh, communication, because you're also educating yeah. as you are selling yeah. and that's incredibly difficult. It's so right? So you have to the channels, but then also the piece of like, okay, so if I want to get this one medical device into the hands of more women, mm-hmm. the way that you do it is like, okay, so there are OBGYNs out there that we know this number, but it's a little bit more, let's say, um, um, punctuated all over the place. It's not democratized quite yet because it's mm-hmm. really traditionally about 30 years ago of how we support women and, um, um, meet their needs. Right. So that's what I'm trying to say is also the business model. Like how do I, how do I capture that, that market? How do I capture that customer? And that customer might not be the end customer might be a business. It might be a doctor. And how do you do that in a very traditional market? But those traditional markets for women are not functioning very well. So it's kind of like, that's where I feel like all of that will be meshed together somehow in the next like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where those innovative companies that have a great innovation, they've solved a really great need for a, a woman is going to be able to get into that market and commercialize it and get to the right people and be able to have that, that, that hockey stick growth. All I can say is thank God we're majority female founded because I don't know who else could handle such multidimensional complications and challenges in a business. Thank God we have all these bad. We have to own our strengths, right? Own our strengths that we are, like we can handle all of these things, the complexity, women can handle that. We actually can handle relationships incredibly well. So Mm -hmm. investor relations own in on that strength, own in on that superpower as women and really know that that actually is a superpower instead of saying, well, you know, I'm kind of good with like relationships. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like the social butterfly. I love building community. No, you love building community and you build community with your investors. Yeah. Done. Right. Like that's, that's that, that framing that we need to change seriously, I could talk to you all day. It's, it's so reaffirming and also it's so energizing. Um, what is a way, again, if founders are listening in, how can they uh, build a relationship, start their relationship with you? What would you recommend they do? 
<laughs> yeah, no, uh, LinkedIn is my my platform of choice. Uh, so always send a message there. We have an amazing team at Stella that supports entrepreneurs, supports investors in all the like gender lens investing space. So contact us at Stella.co. That is our website. And one of us on our team will be able to meet you where you are. We are a constellation, like S-T-L-L-A, constellation. A, A, yeah, I know, I, love I know. It. <laughs> a constellation of support. Um, so to get to me, let's say, right, I am part of Stella Angels. I am part of this accelerator. And we have other women, other investors that are like, I want to invest in femtech. I want to invest in gender lens investing. I am an impact investor who wants to invest in female founders. They come to us at Stella to be able to build those relationships with founders. So it's, it's, it's that, that relationship build. And of course we have different events, women's events. Venture Summit that's coming up in September and Women's Fast Pitch. So no matter what, wherever you are, if it's not, I'm just trying to kind of like make sure that all the audience is taken care of. It might not be me, but find that woman who's in your geography or virtually that owns that space that like mentors to accelerators, mentors to demo days and pitch competitions. They're probably judges and mentors and, you know, speakers and all that connect with them. As you said, Brittany, you tell your, you know, the people that you mentor is like connect with them and say, I heard you on this, be active in your ecosystem, be active in what you're doing and connect with us again, like super easy LinkedIn, Stella.co. We're all over LinkedIn and Instagram and all that DM us. We're here to support you. You know, I always just called it hustle, but now I realize it was like strategic relationship building where, you know, years and years and years ago, even before my first startup, I remember I went on some like uh, retreat to Silicon Valley with all these other like aspiring founders. And there was, must be like 75 of these students. And this woman, she was the admin of the program. And she had all these like impressive founders and investors are coming in. And she had to, um, every day they had this little, cause it was a little old school, right? They had these paper surveys. So they were like asking people to fill out the surveys. And she was like, trying to hand them out. And like, it was obvious the talk was supposed to be started, but she's still handing out papers. And I was like, what the fuck? Nobody's getting up and helping this woman. Like, so I ran up to her and I said, Hey, give me half the stack. Let me help you. She said, Oh, thank God. You know, by the end of that trip, people thought I was like the co-organizer because she would become a, Hey, do you mind like kind of, you know, uh, leading this or can you set up that? Or can you help me with the chairs? I thought, Oh, no problem. And I do it. And you know what? At the end of that conference, I got warm intros to all of the speakers and I even got invited to the speaker dinner that night. No yeah. other student will go on a speaker dinner. And it was because yeah. I freaking stood up and helped her hand out papers. Like it literally yeah. can be that easy, but it's, yeah. it's those like little moments of awareness and um, altruism that people are like, you're a good human. If you need something, I might help you, you know, like the thank yeah. you that your character is showing. And I like yeah. it. I like the way that it looks. Do you, yeah. Oh, all the time. I speak a lot about servant leadership. I wrote a whole mm. book about it. It will be coming out soon. Oh. I'm so super excited about that, but like serving of others first, um, as a leader, as a student leader, like you didn't even probably like assign yourself as leader, but nope. you like yep. st- stood up and you're like, Hey, I want to help out. And I also see as women, and let's just kind of focus on that, yeah. you know, 12 years ago when I was an investor, I basically reached out to whoever was out there, found Angela Lee at 37 Angel. She's like, you know what? I have a new course. I've never really done it, but can you take it? 
I'm like, yeah. of course I could take it. So I took it, like loved it. And she's gone like crazy in the last couple, you know, like 10 years and growing that. Then it was like, okay, Trish Costello and Alicia Robb. Trish Costello is now founder of Portfolio. Alicia Robb um, created Rising Tide Fund. They both did Rising Tide Fund. And then Alicia did um, uh, um, Next Wave Impact Fund. And then um, Trish Costello did Portfolio. But at the very beginning, right, at that early stage, they just got out of Kauffman Foundation. And they said, who are some LPs that are out there? Do you want to just join us and do a fund? We're like, what's a fund? <laughs> oh yeah, let's do it together. Let's do something. And they're like, oh, it's going to be like learning from each other and like doing due diligence together. I'm like, yeah, sign me up. How can I help you? Let's reach out. And that now is like a whole community of over like 200 investors yeah. that I just said yes. Yeah. And as you did, right? You're like, hey, I saw a need. I saw my other, you know, friend or going to be my friend mm-hmm. um, saying like, can you help? Right. And it, at that point, it's not, it wasn't like in, in an event, but it was, you know, can you take a course? Can yeah. you join us on an LP journey? Can you help us with this? Even like doing founders of color showcase. It was like, can we just do this together and do an event? Can Sylvia, can you do the social media? Cause you know, Canva, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Now it's kind of grown. So yeah. stepping into your own power and doing it with other women, that is just magical and you never know where that goes but that curiosity and that's like yes I want to learn more you don't know who's sitting next to you you don't know who's like connected to you and you don't know what they're connected to and then you get all the introductions like you said right right? so us as women it's not just a nice to have that we're relational it's not not a nice to have that we do coffee meetings super well own it like you do coffee meetings super well and that's how you can create that community that loves on each other and collaborates with each other and builds these ecosystems together. So it's like, it's like a multiple effect. I just want like a little app on my phone that has these little quotes from you. That's just like, own it. You got it. You're the best, right? Like that's what I want. Just occasionally press a button. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll send you, I'll send you an audio. (laughs) Uh, Well, Sylvia, this has been incredible. We have two last questions. Our listeners really love. We have a lot of students that listen, a lot of university graduate students, aspiring entrepreneurs. So what's an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating? Ooh, that's like crazy. Um, I'm also director of innovation at Biola University. So I love university yeah. students. So whoever's out there, your Be ideas sure. are brilliant, amazing. Think out of the box, period, right? University students do that really well. So that's just going to put that out there, whoever's listening. Um, so the innovations in the femtech space. Um, what we talked about already is the the aspects of a woman's life, right, is so um, varied. It's like the hues of a rainbow, right? It's not even the colors of the rainbow. It's so varied. So if you are thinking, oh, you know what? I'm kind of challenged with this. Don't surpass, like suppress that emotion. Mm-hmm. Don't suppress that. Hey, it's a problem to me. And oh my gosh, to her and to her, that might be that piece of the femtech ecosystem. You know, we use yes. big words that needs innovation. So, so I think that that's where we really need to kind of focus in on because yes, you do an incredible job of this industry, you know, like kind of view and map own it, right? The people who don't know it, go and get it, right? Because it's amazing, (laughs) right? You can see where it is, but it's a little overwhelming something. You're like, oh my gosh, everything's taken care of. Don't think that Mm -hmm. it's not taken care of. All of us need innovation to be able to be better women, 
uh, healthier women, um, we will thrive and flourish as we're going forwards with new innovations and new solutions to, to problems that we don't even know because we haven't been looked at correctly. Yes. We have been, you know, the data is not that it, we have been really silenced. We have been, you know, not looked at in any date, a lot of data sets. So if you find it, if you feel it, own it and do it. Yes. I love it. I love it. And then our last question is, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? Um, is more Britney's. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know if we can handle it. <laughs> no, we can handle it. Um, uh, love the earrings. We need to have more earrings. We need to have more pinks in the world. Um, so, um, no, but uh, without it, seriously, I think, um, and of course, I'm a little bit biased of data. Yeah. So anytime that we can have a little bit more data on women on how we function, how we, um, anything, anything that, that we can really hone in on and build a data set on, even if it's a data set of N of 100, that's number of data sets, N of 100 or N of 10, that will allow somebody to say, Oh, this is a problem. Let's go that. So I think that that's, that's something that, that if all of us are working towards, um, there's larger data sets and, um, are just, um, there, there's a huge, um, you know, influx of of ideas and impact that we can go from there. I wonder if it's our PhDs that make us so obsessed with data. But like, I'm a data junkie. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm a, I'm, I'm a STEM girl, right? A yeah. STEAM girl, right? And yeah. so I I go to that first. But I really truly think that if if somebody was asking me in the like the guy arena, I'd be like, we don't need any more data. Like you guys need to like act well together and actually build relationships. Mm-hmm. It's a flip for us. That's we right. build relationships. We still ha- need a lot of collaborations. We need more investors investing in femtech companies, period. Mm-hmm. We need more um, people investing in female founders. So yes, that relationship build is important, but in just the femtech space and women in general, we need the data. Yeah. To be able to de-risk investments, de-risk people that um, don't want to, in, you know, have a new innovation in their in their uh, medical practice or in their hospital, we really need that data so that everybody's on the same playing field. That they say, yes, this is the right investment. Yes, this is a new innovation that we need. That's right. I love that. I love it. And I absolutely agree. And I think it also speaks to, you know, the data on the industry, but also the biological data of of females and women, because so often I see seed rounds going to R&D because literally we have such minimal data that to build the product, we have to collect the data first. And I would love to see startups not having to spend their seed rounds on R&D, but rather saying like, here's all this research. Here's, here's 50 publications we're basing this off of, right? Rather than one paper came out last year and we think it could crack a code for this, right? But we have to do more research, which I can respect and we have to do it. But yeah, I think the future is no more R&D seed rounds. It's business yeah. seed rounds, right? Yes, oh, for sure. This has been amazing. You are amazing. Incredible. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to my interview with Dr. Sylvia Ma. Be sure to reach out to her on LinkedIn and look up Stella Angels and submit your deck today. 
Okay, Femme fans, don't forget to fill out the Stack the Deck for Femtech questionnaire, which you can find in our newsletter, virtual community, and social media channels. You can subscribe to the newsletter on our website, femtechfocus.org. That's where you can also join the virtual community where over 2,000 Femtech founders are sharing resources and opportunities. There's an events calendar, jobs board, even a DIY Femtech accelerator. Give me a shout out on social media at Femtech Focus and consider becoming a monthly donor. We're a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to supporting Femtech founders succeed. Until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.